Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the You Can Do It Too podcast by Mamba Inspire. I am Mamadou Balde. I'm your host. The purpose of this podcast is to both showcase black excellence and increase awareness of the multitude of career possibilities out there for up-and-coming black professionals. This podcast will assist in breaking stigmas, barriers, and helping black students believe that they are smart enough to be future doctors, engineers, educators, and entrepreneurs. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special guest with us today. Uh, Spencer, thank you so much for giving us your time. No problem. I know you are busy. And today, <laughs> today is Tuesday. So thank you so much for giving us time tonight. Uh, first of all, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, so um, my name is Spencer Watsujay. I'm a graduate of the University of Texas at Austin. Um, I graduated in 2014. Yes, sir. Um, after graduating from UT, I uh, left and I actually went and worked at Dell for a bit of time. Mm-hmm. Um, after working at Dell, I worked at Facebook. After Facebook, I went on to um, pursue um, my master's. And after getting my master's, now I'm back in Austin and I'll, I work at Oracle. Wow. I didn't know you went to, you work at Dell. That was recently, right? Yeah. So um, I worked at Dell for two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I worked at Dell for two years. Dell um, headquarters. No, okay. actually, they're oh Dell headquarters. Yeah, Dell headquarters yeah. in uh, Round Rock. Yes, sir. and um, I uh, did sales there for for some time after graduating. Um, it was a transitionary period for me, really trying to understand what I was going to do as far as yes, adulting. Sir. Yes, sir. Um, what's concerned? Because you know, once you graduate, bills are real. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, I had to get my head wrapped around, you know, paying student loans and, um, financial literacy and yes, what that sir. means, you know, while being an adult and figuring, figuring out what that meant for me. Um, thanks largely to my roommate at the time, shout out to, uh, Jeezy, mm-hmm. Laron Guillory, my guy, mm-hmm. um, learned a lot while I was living with with him and uh, really just kind of like you know about financial responsibility you know financial literacy you know how to basically allow your money to work for you um, yes sir. things of that nature so yeah yes sir that's amazing so i know you graduated in biology right yes and so how how was that transition from uh from that degree to sales did you feel like it was hard uh well i mean i guess to I guess give you the full picture. Mm-hmm. I actually switched my major. Um, I want to say it was my junior year, going into my junior year. Um, I was a bio major. Okay. Um, basically, hit some like really big rough patches um, in terms of my tenure at UT. Was trying to figure out like what life was going to look like, and um, I switched my major from biology actually to AFR. Mm-hmm. I had. Um, taken at the time black power movement uh with dr moore Mm -hmm. and um you know i knew about uh some of the classes within the afr department knowing a couple of the uh, professors uh within the uh or associate professors for the afr department shout out to miss burt and uh i wanted to kind of like explore that took black power movement um was 
really not only um, kind of consumed by the material, but realized that, I, you know, I was excelling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I made the decision to, you know, change my my major. Yes, sir. Um, I made the decision really without talking to anybody. And so, I mean, of course, you know, growing up Nigerian, you already know, doctor, lawyer, engineer. Yes, sir. Um, so, granted, my parents, uh, one thing I can say that I love uh, and appreciate about them um, while they've never been the kind of like strong hand type to say you have to do one of these three, yes, sir. they've always, I guess, steadily encouraged slash slightly nudged me mm-hmm. in that direction. Mm-hmm. So a conversation with my dad when I explained to him, you know, yeah, um, by this point, I'm already a semester into the major, thankfully, because a lot of the classes that I had already took will roll over. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, was talking to my dad about it, and he was just kind of like explaining to me, talking to me about it, and he was like, well, if that's something you want to do, why not do both? So I ended up uh, double majoring, which is why it took me an extra year and a half. So so I was a fifth year senior. Uh, I did a, you know, good old lap and a half, actually. (laughs) Um, So when I actually graduated... Um, so once I graduated with a degree in biology, um, a degree in cultural and ethnic diversity studies, um, one of the things that I kind of realized was that I wanted I wanted to go to med school, right? Uh-huh. And was trying to figure out what that would look like. How would I get there? Um, being completely transparent and candid. Uh, coming out of undergrad, I had a series of unfortunate events Mm -hmm. that occurred in my life is you know nothing to make an excuse for but taking ownership of what happened and my gpa was not where it needed to to be in order to pursue that route so now um to your question i now i'm a graduate of the university of texas at austin i'm really excited about that um but I didn't really know what that progression forward would look like for me. Yes, sir. And so I had been talking with some friends. Mind you, I was still working um, my part-time jobs at the time. And talking with some friends who I knew who either were in similar situations or I knew for a fact ended up in fields that they did not receive a degree in. Mm-hmm. And um, which is how I ended up, you know, networking and then getting connected um, with now one of my frat brothers yes, um, who worked at at Dell at the time and the opportunity presented itself and I left at it. You um, it. Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, I was excited about the opportunity. I was very eager mm-hmm. um, to learn and to kind of like see what that lifestyle would be like. It was my first um, real job out of college. It was my first job in corporate America. Yes, sir. Um, and I excelled at it for a time. Yes, sir. Um, so, as I mentioned, I did that role for two, two years. years. Um, within two years, uh, I received one promotion. Mm-hmm. Um, was doing really well there. And then uh, the industry changed. Okay. Um, unfortunately, the particular division that I worked in, they were downsizing at the time. Mm-hmm. And actually, my department was one of the ones that got, you know... Removed. Yeah. Yes. So now, 
at this point, it's kind of like, okay, what's next? What what do you what does this look like for me now? Granted, again, um, thanks to the lessons that I kind of learned with um, while living, like I said, with my roommate, mm-hmm. um, financial literacy is important. So thankfully, yes, I had worked hard enough and saved enough to where. That wasn't devastating or world shattering for me. No, yes, um, I completely could comprehend the gravity of the situation. Being that you know some of my coworkers weren't that was the same story. Like yes, these sir. are people who have families, have kids um, that no longer have jobs. So um, I say that not to like you know be uh, braggios or anything, mm. but more so to to highlight the fact that you know financial literacy is important but then also highlighting where I was transitioning adaptation to. yes sir. um exactly adapting yes, to the situation so um past that that's when the opportunity at Facebook presented itself mm-hmm. and I began to work at Facebook um downtown in Austin and that in itself was cool cuz you know everybody uses Facebook yeah. everybody knows what Facebook is but nobody at least at the time that I knew, um, could really kind of like speak on the other side of the veil, like what goes on behind the you know the walls of Facebook's offices. Yes. Um, so I worked there for about a year and a half um, before I began to kind of like want to uh, pursue a master's. I, I wasn't sure at this point if med school was what I wanted mm-hmm. or rather I knew that I wanted it but I wasn't sure if I was in a place in my life to where I could go for it mm-hmm. uh, um, so I ended up applying to this program um, and it wasn't on a whim I have um, several friends who went through um, this master's of biomedical sciences program mm-hmm. all have success stories uh once in a podiatry school in New York, once in medical school in, I want to say, Ohio, another one's in dentistry school mm-hmm. in Boston, um, literally LSU, um, U of UT Health Sciences Center in um, Houston. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody just kind of like spra- sprawled out. So I've heard success stories about this and was like, okay, well, let me try my hand in applying for the program. Um, it just so happened that, ironically enough, while I'm talking to myself, trying to talk myself into applying, mm-hmm. um, I was still on the fence. It was still kind of like, you know, I'm working, I'm making good money, why rock the boat? And it just so happened that that year um my fraternity was having a council meeting in in uh Jackson Mississippi mm-hmm. so basically my chapter as well as some of my other frat brothers at the time I was uh the keeper of records okay for for Austin alumni and uh so I traveled to to province that year, mm-hmm. and it just so happened that the school that I was applying to was literally a ten minute drive from where this uh you landed yeah, basically where I was at so I was like 
some of me was like, you know, try your luck. I called um, the day before getting there mm-hmm. to see if, like, maybe, hey, can I look around at school? Just kind of wrap my head around the idea. One thing led to another. Next thing you know, I'm meeting the dean of the program. Dang. Fast forward. Uh, now, at this point, six months later, I'm basically packing up my whole life, getting ready to move to Mississippi. Wow. Um, so, I mean, it was that was a very long-winded way to answer the question that you asked. Yeah. But the turnabout, the final, the finality of it is, you know, I went and did my two years in the program, received my master's, came out of the program, and in the midst of, you know, contemplating, okay, like I said, that next step to med school, or are we just good with the master's? Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, well, you got to get back to business, because again, yes, being an adult is real. <laughs> Those bills are coming whether you're ready or not. So yes, um, I ended up back working, thankfully, now at this point, having about four years of uh, formal uh, post bachelor's uh, employment experience mm-hmm. and so was able to land a, a really good job um, after that point yeah wow that's hustling that's hustling yeah man I, I get it from my dad you know that's one thing that they say about Africans if we you know nothing else we know how to make a way out of nowhere so. yes sir talking about your parents uh, and uh, thinking about growing up mm-hmm. was education a privilege or a expectation like was it like it's hard to get an education. It was a privilege to obtain one, or was it an expectation? You need to go get one, no matter what it takes. So, I would say it was an expectation, mm-hmm. but it also at the same time, again, kind of acknowledging the fact that my parents were probably more liberal. Mm-hmm. For lack, of a better, for lack of a better way to say it than most yes, African parents. Yes, now, granted, you know, they kept me under their thumb, so yes, I really couldn't do much of anything yes, in the high school. Yes, but it was always the expectation for for school. But also, at the same time, it was just kind of who I was as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, when it came down time to, you know, pick the high school that I was going to, I picked it. When it came down to picking my classes, I picked it. Yes, sir. When it became time for uh, applying for college, uh, it was not something that was prompted by my parents. I started my application process my junior year, yes, just based off of you know uh, meeting with my high school counselor and you know being in uh, National Honor Society and just being kind of prompted uh, or given tools to do so. Yes, sir. So like my parents, I would say it was an expectation, but it was always a supported expectation it's like they never really were like you know breathing down my neck saying you you have to go to school um you have to go to college or anything like that it was expected for me to do so but they were never forceful with it yeah it wasn't forced that's that's great that's cool so growing up how can you talk about what what are some adversities you faced growing up what what kind of neighborhood did you grow up um Growing up, I first would fully acknowledge that I'm very grateful for my parents um, in the sense that life was not easy, mm-hmm. but I never wanted for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, were we rich or like just like well, well off? Mm-hmm. No. Um, but I will say that 
I was blessed. We were blessed at the time. You know, I, I lived in a decent neighborhood. I went to a good school. Um, you know, my parents always had food on the table. So I'm thankful that there was never that type of hardship. Mm-hmm. Um, there were other forms of hardship um, that, you know, pretty much all Americans go through. You're trying to make ends meet and paying bills and dealing with the, you know, the height of um, the recession that was beginning and, you know, the collapse of the housing market and things of that nature um, impacted a lot of people, um, my parents in particular. Struggles that I dealt with um, a lot of times were just, you know, simply figuring out, okay, how are you going to pay for college? Mm-hmm. Um, for me, as I mentioned, being very self-driven. Mm-hmm. Um, however, there was a lack of financial literacy coming out of high school, going into college of how to, you know, navigate student loans, and how you're going to pay for things of that nature, you know. Um, applying to college, I was very excited when I got my acceptance letter to UT. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to getting accepted to UT, I got accepted to uh, several other schools um, in the state as well as outside of the state, but UT was the one I was waiting on. And I remember being excited and happy, you know, take off running down the block because I got my acceptance letter. Uh, letter. My uh, neighbors, like, you know, congratulating me. Thankfully, we actually lived in a very nicely mixed neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't predominantly white. It wasn't predominantly... Actually, I would actually lean into saying it was predominantly black. Mm-hmm. But once that elatement kind of passed, mm-hmm. then set, set in the reality, okay... How are you going to pay for it? <laughs> yeah. Um, what does that mean? And as I mentioned, the time frame of which I was coming into school... Mm-hmm. Um, Money was tight. Yes, sir. If there was a college fund at the time, you know, um, resources had to get reallocated to make 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 things, you know, work for the family. And so, um, again, while my family was not necessarily able to support me fully financially, it was always like, you know, definitely emotional and like, hey, you're not in this alone. We're going to figure this out together so again grateful to my parents for that um getting to ut got into ut um got here my freshman year and um realized that okay you still got bills you have to pay so uh such as like you know i think i moved in like a day early and to move in a day early into the dorm. That's money. <laughs> it costs money. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And so, you know, I received an email talking about, hey, you have this outstanding balance. It's that in the third. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, man, these people going to evict me. I haven't <laughs> paid them not one cent. Yeah. Um, thinking I'm going to get that, you know, that faithful knock on the door. Like, hey, Spencer, you know, while it was great, you need to get your crap and get out. <laughs> um, thankfully, that knock never came. Um, and I figured out, you know, financial stability with the help of student loans, et cetera. Um, I had a really great financial aid counselor, um, my freshman year who actually was my financial aid counselor all the way through college. Um, and you know, when there was a time of need really helped me out a lot on figuring out how I can, you know, both be a full-time student 
but as well as, you know, help to take care of my mom and stuff. Yes, home. sir. Yeah. As a young black man, uh, working so hard to get an opportunity to go to college, like PWI, UT, University of Texas at Austin, which is an amazing university, and you came to UT, then you, they, like, all your life you have been told, you, you believe, you say you are self-driving, you believe that you could do anything, right? There's no obstacle that you can overcome. Mm-hmm. Then you come to UT, you find there are so many people like you, mm-hmm. but so many, so few people look like you, right? Mm-hmm. How's that adaptation? How hard was it for you to adapt here as a black young man? Oh, extremely hard. Um, you felt like home? Did you feel like home? No, not even a little bit. Yes. Um, it was ex- extremely um, kind of world-shaking um, coming to UT one because while in high school as I mentioned you know pretty much involved with everything excelling mm-hmm. in everything you know National Honor Society academic decathlon um, student government I ran for office you know um, varsity football varsity track yes sir. all of that and then being in top you know top 10 percent but actually within the top 5% of my graduating class. Mm-hmm. And all of that work, all of those hours of, you know, studying, staying after school, doing extracurriculars, did not prepare me for what was to come at UT. Mainly because um, there were several kind of pitfalls for me. One, my advising session, I it, the advising session was really in, like, Set up to where it's like, all right, next. Okay, you need to take blah, 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 class. All right, cool. Next. Basically telling everybody to take the same thing. So my freshman year of college, I signed up for chemistry, biology, calculus, freshman research, and a... What was that class called? It was like a Greek mythology class. Mm-hmm. Um, so my freshman year, I think I'm taking anywhere between 15 and 17 hours. Wow. My first semester. Not knowing any better because I'm like, you know, in high school, I, you know, I took uh, AP Bio, AP English, AP Calc. Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh, man, that's easy. That's going to be easy. But one of the things that I didn't count on was, you know, Getting into, one, going from a classroom of 20, 25 mm-hmm. to where, you know, you can ask questions freely. Uh, teachers don't move on for the most part until everybody has an understanding to now you're in a class of three to 400. Mm-hmm. And it's either you get it or you don't. Mm-hmm. But the train's not stopping for you. Yes, sir. Um, 500 people in the room. 500 people in the room. And, yeah. you know, freshman uh, chemistry 301. Uh, nobody's stopping to like, hey, does everybody get this? Um, in fact, uh, my particular professor that I had would state a lot of times, you know, oh, you should know this from high school. You should know this from high school. You should know this from high school. And the thing is, is that some of the material, while you might have been exposed to it in high school, if it's not reinforced, mm-hmm. mind you, at this point, Pretty much by the time you hit like March, mm-hmm. 
March, April, pretty much whatever you've done for your high school career is locked at that point. Yes, So let's say April. So April, May, June, July, August. That's April, May, June, July, August. That's five months, Mm -hmm. right? Five months of where you're not doing any intensive studying because for me, I had already taken my SATs. Mm Uh, by that point, gotten the scores that I need. For the most part, at that point, I've already received most of my acceptance letters. I knew where I was going. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm not saying like you know I slapped off or anything like that, but at the same time, remembering material that is crucial for mm-hmm. that next level that we might have spent maybe a week on in high school. It was hard place. And so it was talking more so right now about the actual uh, difficulties encountered with the material, the subject matter. But then you add into the fact that now you're also going from an environment where you know most of the people in your class. Mm -hmm. There is more than just you know, a handful of you, like, and full of you, I mean, in terms of African-Americans, um, to now you're in a classroom where literally in a class of four or 500, mm-hmm. there was, if I'm not mistaken, eight of us mm-hmm. in that classroom. The reason why I remember it being like eight, no more than 10, mm-hmm. because we all sat in the same row together. <laughs> so if you look around, it's like zero diversity and then just this row full of black folk. And so we found solidarity there um, once we started to get to know each other, built a community there. But then as you're progressing in your major, uh, which is part of the reason why I ended up deciding to switch my major, Mm -hmm. um, you're progressing in your major and those people you started off with aren't still in the same classes as you. Mm -hmm. They're not... um, a lot of my friends that I started off as a you know natural science and biology major with have now at this point uh, switched to you know and there's nothing wrong with this but switched to business, mm-hmm. um, creative arts, mm-hmm. digital arts, um, education. Um, pretty much were spread all over campus at this point. Yes. So yeah. now you start to get into your upper division classes. Fast forwarding to you know end of your sophomore year, your junior year. You've gone from me in particularly being one of, let's say, 10 mm-hmm. um, and like one of like five yeah. black males to now I'm the only black, black male in some of these classes. Yes, sir. Um, and sometimes if there are other black people in the class, there's um, it's going to be me and let's say like three other black females, like yes, black sir. women. Yes, sir. And... Which was to be expected because I believe at the time, um, black women outnumbered black males. I want to say either two or three to one. Yes, sir. And yeah. so it's just at this point now, it's like you know that sense of community is gone. It's it's gone yes, in sir. terms of people who are under the exact same pressures as you, going through the exact same stresses as you, to where now. Is more, in my opinion, at least in my experience, was more easy to get distracted by external influences, stuff such as, you know, stuff going on back at home Mm. or like wanting to spend time in the X lounge because that's where, you know, you're able to see people who look like you um, and spend time with people who like 
them they may not be in the same classes as you, but they can actually can understand you know your plight, your experience. That's where you felt visible. Yes, exactly. Yes. Sir. Um, it felt like you went from being a part of the crowd to, or like you know just a random number in the class to like okay people know your name. Yes. You sir. walk into the Exxon, people are saying your name, greeting you, say, you know, seeing how you're doing, asking you how your day is going. Versus when you're walking around on the forty, mm-hmm. some people. You know, walking, they don't really don't acknowledge you. you, they don't talk to yes, you. Sir. And if you do talk to anybody, it's typically somebody you know from the X line. Yes, sir. That's what many people do not realize right there exactly. It's like PWI school, uh, they know there is the, no diversity, there's a very small number of minorities, but they, many people do not realize that the small amount of minority, that those little things that minority face mm-hmm. make cause all the other issues right because as you said many people come in thinking okay i want to be uh, i want to go to biology right but as i'm sure one thing maybe is they don't they're not liking what they're learning but also mm-hmm. there's not influences that make them like what they're learning so they decide to go to things that they are good at from the beginning right mm-hmm. which brought to this point the idea that do you feel like this issue is the fact that many uh young black male and female do not see themselves as being in these majors uh engineering biology all those stem majors i do think that there's definitely a pipeline issue in terms of keeping minorities within stem majors Mm -hmm. mainly because as i mentioned uh when it comes to the advising aspect of it right Mm -hmm. It sometimes is pertinent, regardless actually, regardless of um, ethnicity, right? Mm-hmm. It's pertinent, in my opinion, that advisors should be taking the time out to advise the student for the student versus advising the student against what has traditionally worked. Yes, and when you try to do that traditionally worked right not everybody comes from the same uh background um it is a known fact that there is an educational disparity Mm -hmm. um between african-american versus our you know white counterparts Mm -hmm. and when i say educational disparity that is not a capability disparity Mm -hmm. um because african-americans are more than capable um, to exist in these spaces competing yes, sir. and compete yes sir when provided the right tools yes sir um there is not a section of my mind that doubts the ability of us to compete and exist in these spaces mm-hmm. what it takes would be the acknowledgement that we need to be provided the same tools as our white counterparts mm-hmm. and those tools don't even may not even be the same right the tools that our white counterparts need is not the same as the tools that we exactly need. um because a lot of times especially like when existing in a space like as such as a pwi mm-hmm. right one of the things is very simple to where people who are not a part of a minority group would not understand mm-hmm. is the simplicity of just being able to sees people mm-hmm. who look like you doing what you're doing is a form of encouragement. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? Yes, sir. 
So for me, seeing people, um, for example, at the time, uh, Uche Agu, he was a natural sciences major. Mm-hmm. He graduated from natural sciences and um, ended up going to med school. Mm-hmm. Now, at that point, as most adults, they'll find out, like, you know, hey, this is not necessarily what I want to do. So they pivot. But the point being is, like, being able to see people like Uche mm-hmm. in my major mm-hmm. and being successful mm-hmm. is motivational. Yes, but sir. you also got to keep in mind, that's one case. Mm-hmm. Again, talking about it in the case where you're in a classroom of five or 600 and there aren't people who look like you. You see yes, what I'm saying? And yes, then... Sir. Unfortunately, a lot of times, because we are a research institution, the professors stay busy around the clock. Mm-hmm. So they don't have necessarily the time to have consistent one-on-one basic, uh, one-on-one uh, hands-on experience with their students where they know me by name yes, other than face. I can't tell you the number of times that I've run into professors post-graduation where I've seen them and I remember who they are and they kind of look at me like, who the hell are you? You one of them. Like, yeah, like, the people hey, like, it's good to see you. What are you doing now? Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. Remind me your name again. Yeah. Like, that's that conversation that typically happens, which, you know, it's not a slight at the professor. It's like, okay, when you're teaching, you know, three, four, five classes, each class has anywhere between two to 500 students in it. Mm-hmm. The likelihood of you being able to remember, you know, essentially a thousand people's names is, you know, slim Many to none. Yes, yeah, sir. But I think that when looking at the comparison of us existing in these spaces and and being successful in natural sciences major majors, it's important for African American students to be able to hear success stories. Yes, sir. Um to hear non-traditional success stories like for example like myself you know graduated from UT changed my major changed my major back double majored Mm -hmm. uh, graduated with two degrees but with a GPA that was like not competitive okay then figuring out how to make my GPA competitive yes sir Um, and it's go ahead and many people think about think about UT as that school that it's, it's UT, you know, you, when you graduate, you're supposed to get a job, right? Right. But they do not realize that it's that competition out there. I mean, in the words of uh, the baddie godmother herself, shout out to, uh, shout out to Sydney Chandler, mm-hmm. uh, founder of the Chandler Concept and the Baddie Brunch, you know, shame with the blood. Mm-hmm. But um, UT is the Ivy League of the South. <laughs> um, and what I, I mean by that is it's a prestigious school. Like in the state of Texas, mm-hmm. um, you have a degree from UT on your resume. It doesn't matter what what it could be in. Mm-hmm. You went to the University of Texas at Austin. That's a big deal, yes, especially um, if you know how to leverage it to where it's working for you. Yes, um, I can tell you just from experience, uh, both from like you know learning how to vocalize myself in terms of speaking in interview mm-hmm. formal interview settings um to being able to leverage my degrees from UT mm-hmm. that has opened several doors for me yes, um now the thing is is that it's hard to get here it's hard to stay here 
But once you're able to make it to that other side, um, I said this at our our networking summit, it gets so much better. Um, it gets so much better. A lot of, unfortunately, a lot of minority students, we enjoy the social aspect mm-hmm. of college for the, for the most part. Mm-hmm. But the educational aspect of college leaves something to be desired because of the fact that it really tears you down and beats yes, you sir. down to the point where for some some come in and they excel some mm-hmm. it's just kind of like bro what what am I doing mm-hmm. um being in that space and then getting beyond that mm-hmm. to see what's coming is something that I think a lot of us lack the ability to do yes sir um which and I say that because 2019 Spencer can look at where you know I've been mm-hmm. and see you know a lot of times you know if not for the grace of God how I would have gotten out of those situations but now to look back and be like it was not as bad as what I thought it was yes sir an undergrad faced a lot of adversity but it was not as bad as what I thought it was and a lot of times unfortunately you know hindsight is twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. so in that moment it's the worst. Mm-hmm. But I say all of this to, to whoever's listening or will be listening. Um, don't rest there. Mm-hmm. There is a plethora of black grads who understand what it means to be black in this space. What it so, means to, to have those nights of like those long nights, early mornings where you're grinding it out. Yes, um, just hoping to, you know, some who graduate, you know, magna cum laude, summa cum laude, thank you, laude, yes, which sir. is, you know, basically saying like, hey, I, I did what I needed to do to get this degree. Yes, sir. Um, can tell you from experience that where you're at in those moments of where, you know, those late nights, those early mornings where you feel like I have nothing left to give. Like if, if, if some don't shake, I don't know what to do. Understand that that's not where the story ends, temporary, and that it will get better. You just have to remain dedicated and keep pushing. Yes, sir. You didn't get the grade you wanted on that test. Keep pushing. Yes, sir. You you know didn't get uh, into the program that you wanted to um, for post undergraduate mm-hmm. educational pursuit. Keep pushing. Yes, like, sir. Whether it be you know you graduate. Like I said, magnum cum laude and whether it be medical schools, law schools, uh, professional schools, um, master schools, whatever it may be, are knocking down your doors or you're that other student who graduates and you're trying to figure out what's next. Mm -hmm. Whether it be either one of those situations, understand that it will get better. Now, a lot of times it's easier said than done. It's either for me to sit here being that I'm on the other side. Mm -hmm. And tell you that it gets better. But you've been through it. <laughs> but it's like I've been through it. Yes, but my experience is going to be different from your experience. Exactly. It's going to be different from the, you know, the next black person's experience. It's going to be different from, you know, the generation of, you know, African-Americans who come after us. Yes, sir. But at the same time, there's lessons to be learned from our experience. Exactly. And crafting your own journey. Yeah. So you've been... With big corporations, Dell, Facebook, right? You've been in those spaces also. Mm-hmm. How hard was it as a black man 
to gain your uh, co-workers respect because you mentioned that you got promoted couple of time right mm-hmm. how hard was it to gain your co-workers respect when you get to that high position so i will honestly say that again <laughs> when looking back i've been blessed i've never had an issue um for me mm-hmm. in terms of having the respect of a supervisor or having the respect of you know coworkers or anything in regards in relation relations uh to my ethnicity ethnicity mm-hmm. um i will say that there have been hurdles that i've had to overcome mm-hmm. that were outside of the scope of control of the companies mm-hmm. for example um like i mentioned the role that i had with dell required me to reach out to an account set that i managed and mm-hmm. like talk to them about you know their current solutions just making sure that they're good on everything mm-hmm. and potentially setting up deals for the future right yes sir and i will never forget there was one particular client that i've been uh talking to over the phone just talking back and forth um to where basically we're now you know discussing um hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of a deal, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've been built up a rapport with this guy. It should be pretty decent. Mm-hmm. And so then um, I get, you know, worked up the ladder in their company talking to the next person, the decision maker, mm-hmm. to finalize the deal. So he was like, oh, yeah, sure. You know, Spencer sent me a quote. So I sent him a quote. Um, he gets my email and there's this awkward silence Mm -hmm. and I go hello and he was like "Oh, uh, I'm still here Uh, I am talking with Dell US right and I was like yes and in that moment I was like I really hope he's not asking that because of why I think he's asking that Mm -hmm. and surely um, he had just gotten my email Mm -hmm. and saw my last name Mm -hmm. and Regardless of what work had been done, Mm -hmm. in that moment, he began to question everything that I had talked to him about, etc. And was like, he asked me, you know, about where my last name originated from. Mm Mm-hmm. Very proud of my Nigerian culture. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm, you know, Nigerian. Mm -hmm. Um, He was like, oh, wow. I'm just... You know, if you'll forgive me, I'm just taken back because you speak English so properly. Mm -hmm. And in my head, I'm like cussing this guy out (laughs) because I'm like, dude, I was born here. Like, can I cuss? Sure. I was born here. Like, the fuck you mean? Like, (laughs) oh, this is not like, first off, I felt disrespected because even if I hadn't been born here Mm -hmm. and I did have an accent, that would not give you the right to question your English, my English, the uh, ethics of the work that I'm doing for you, anything of that nature. Um, be it that I am Nigerian, but I was born in the U.S. It's like for you to to make it a point to comment on my ability to speak English well. Yes, sir. Was an annoyance, especially because you know growing up. Uh, in a Nigerian household being having that I have Nigerian parents like 
that's something that I've seen my parents have to deal with. Mm-hmm. People who did not take them serious mm-hmm. because they would hear their accent mm-hmm. and, you know, basically kind of like roll their eyes or question like, well, wait, what did you say? And it's mm-hmm. like, you know what the hell they just said. Mm-hmm. But you're, you know, essentially being extra and, and drawing this situation out. So that moment triggered a lot of stuff for me yes, to where... I had to check myself internally to be like, hey, handle this professionally because at the end of the day, you still have a job to do. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that was probably one of the teaching moments. Teaching moment, but probably the most asinine thing that I dealt with. Yes, sir. Um, within my first role in corporate America is just, regardless, unfortunately, it doesn't matter sometimes for Africans, African Americans, mm-hmm. how educated you get. When dealing with certain people, mm-hmm. if they are given the opportunity to view you as other, they will and treat you accordingly. Mm-hmm. And it's unfair. It's, it's one of the unfair things that we have to deal with as black people mm-hmm. is that it didn't matter in that moment that, you know, not only was I able to effortlessly talk about the product line, mm-hmm. talk to you about your solution, um, and not only did it not matter that at that like at that point that I have two degrees from the University of Texas at Austin, mm-hmm. all they saw, all he saw in that moment was Spencer Iwatuje. That Iwatuje made him question everything that we had already just talked about. Wow. And again, I know what my dad did, you know, having to work to come here. Mm-hmm. I know what my grandfather did uh, having to, uh, you know, to send my father here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very proud of my last name. Yes. And felt hugely disrespected. Yes, sir. Um, and the thing is, is that that's something that we as black people deal with it regardless of, of uh, cultural background, ethnicity. You could be African. You could be African American. Uh, you could be Haitian, Jamaican, whatever it may be. If you're outside of the norm, they'll immediately question. And unfortunately, that's one of the things that you, that comes with the territory. Yes, sir. What were some of the fun things uh, you remember you did uh, at your job right now or Facebook, Dell? What are some things that those jobs afforded you to do as a professional in this field? Um, at... I know you mentioned traveling a lot. Yeah, so um, Dell, I will forever be grateful for mm-hmm. and grateful to because at a young age, mm-hmm. it offered me the ability to learn about financial independence. Yes, sir. Um, to where for the first time in my life, I'm for the most part able to stand on my own help out when need be without, you know, batting an eye at it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was, in my opinion, that was the best thing that I got from Dell was uh, financial independence, mm-hmm. um, which is something that I think, like, in talking with other people that I know who 
uh, went to UT who, you know, ended up in different career paths, etc., was something that was like hugely important to us because we saw, you know, how our parents struggled, how hard they had to work. And so being in a space now where not only are you financially free, but you also have the ability to help out where need be. Mm-hmm. It's liberating. Um, and then at Facebook, it afforded me the opportunity um, to travel. I Dell did too. I mean, um, while working at those companies, I was able to travel to you know Philadelphia, D.C., New York, um, Las Vegas, L.A. Um, and again, not as a means to brag or anything like that because you know I'm I realized where I came from yes sir and I honor and respect the work that had to be done to get to get there yes sir um and so those opportunities now granted I I don't say that to you know to be like oh yeah you know every other weekend I was traveling yes sir yes sir but I did. I did have the opportunity to travel, and thusly, I was grateful. It for comes it. with work, yeah, and that's yeah. what you work for. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, again, it also comes with financial literacy yes, and understanding how to money manage. Exactly. Live within your means, yes, so sir. that way, when it comes time for you to do things such as travel, go um, to go visit places, even you know simple things like going home for the holidays, you can yes, do sir. so. Without having to worry about it, is it going to break the bank? Am I going to be able to pay rent? Yes. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Mamba Inspire You Can Do It Too podcast. We have another special guest next episode. Make sure you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date. Our YouTube channel, we have a Twitter and Instagram for updates. Look up Mamba Inspire. Peace.